Welcome to Everything Went Black podcast, episode 100. Yeah, it's crazy to think that this is uh, the 100th episode of this, and I'd like to thank everyone who um, has been listening. Most likely you haven't been on board since episode one, but the thought's there, and I guess that's what counts. So to commemorate this 100th episode, I'm welcoming back my good friend, Mike Scandato. He was my guest back on episode one. We went to go see a Serbian film at this random movie theater out in Bay Ridge. And uh, we went back to uh, Daisy's Diner on Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn to talk about what we had just seen and uh, have a you know decent meal or semi-decent meal at that place. And, um, and yeah, 100 episodes later, I'm having him back. Uh, Mike and I also do another podcast called the Necromaniacs Podcast, which is uh, pretty much all devoted to horror, comics, sci-fi gore films like that sort of stuff so uh we'll talk a little bit about that kind of stuff um talk about music mike is uh the lead singer in the last stand and in human before we get rolling i just want to give a shout to the affiliate sponsors datsusara great hemp equipment gear bags t-shirts grappling shorts they even make hemp chopsticks which i'm going to order someday to have in my apartment here for guests and for myself on it who daily basis i'm jacking their products krill oil hemp force protein mct oil checking out the new emulsified mct oil which is uh, something to behold if you're in that sort of into that sort of stuff also savage gold coffee i've been talking about this for a couple couple episodes at least and uh yeah it's my coffee brand if you're interested check it out savagegoldcoffee.com you can give me a like on facebook the uh, podcast has an Everything Went Black Facebook page. You can follow me on Twitter at MikeHillHQ. And uh, if you want to hit me on my personal Facebook page, it's just Michael Hill on Facebook. So here we go. So th- this is episode 100. Yes, episode and, 100, five years later. Yeah. And what's cool is like you were episode one. And uh, I remember we went to go see a Serbian film at mm-hmm. that random uh place out in bay ridge uh yes it's one of my favorite theaters actually it is the alpine the alpine that's what it, it was. is one of the it's it's the only mom and pop left in that neighborhood so but it's an actual legit theater though yeah. it's not some seedy like spot no that, which i found to be very interesting since <laughs> that movie was like one of the most extreme films i've ever seen yes and th- th- what made it really interesting being at the alpine is that the alpine has pretty much all mainstream movies, but it does tend to get kind of interesting. They'll get horror movies a lot. Yeah. But amidst the horror movies is all of the blockbusters and kid movies. Because it was, uh, I think playing in the same theater was the Thor movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the creep movie of uh, a Serbian <laughs> film. That was me, you, and Jeff from Lucky Jeff 13. Jeff from Lucky 13 and Chris Santos, the, uh, the, the chef who now owns uh, several restaurants. He was there too, yes. And then there was like this couple that came in and right. left. They didn't make it to the end <laughs> nope, of the movie. Nope, they did though. not make it, no. Yeah. But there was a pretty cool um, comic book store. Right, Galaxy. Yeah, it's yeah. still there. It, it's huge. They have... Uh, they have the one in Park Slope and yes. they have the one in Bay Ridge. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I, you know what? It didn't dawn on me that they were connected like mm. that. Yeah, yeah. No, is the one in, in Park Slope still around? Yes, that's the one off Ninth and uh, like Fifth Avenue. Fifth, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been in there a few times. Yeah. But yeah, no, they do. Uh, they get all the rub from all the superhero movies that play next door. So, but yeah, that was quite an, an interesting experience. I mean, because I remember we were making jokes like, "Who's the creep manager who?" Who put this in the theater? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, I have to, I have to wonder about that because, like, the fact of the matter, there was literally five people in a the theater. Yeah, that movie was like a very. I mean, now I think more people know about it. Yeah, like it has like more of like an infamy that it has. Right, it's almost human centipedish at this yeah. point. It's it's in the lexicon of like, uh, somewhat maybe not as much as human centipede, but it's in pop culture. Yeah, but. At the time, it was a pretty unknown film. Right. You and, had to be a horror freak like us. That's yeah. right. Exactly. And like, uh, yeah, and that's what I was like so completely shocked that someone in a, in a more or less mainstream theater <laughs> booked that film to play there. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, I was, I'm glad we got to see it because apparently oh, there's other versions out there that have seen certain scenes cut. I think there's about three versions. There, apparently there's one that's, we saw... I don't know if it was like the final, final extreme version. I think there's one that maybe had a little bit more of that infamous baby scene than the one we saw, which was kind of the dividing line, I think, in that movie. Um, I believe there might be three cuts of the movie, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, like an MOV MP4 file <laughs> on my computer for of that film. So I don't remember how exactly I got that. Wow. But I remember uh, Andrew Hernandez, my old drummer, he mm -hmm. had a death metal band that I drove on a short tour. Mm -hmm. And I had it on my computer. And I was oh, like, boy. we would watch it. like the, We would stay at people's houses and stuff and bum everyone out. I have to say, I, I like the movie. I have not seen it again. Now I actually, I'm, I'm going to see it again now. I want to see it again. Do you have a copy of it? Like, no, oh, I, I don't. Dude. I never owned it, actually. Uh, John owned it, my brother John. Right. He's a, you know another big horror guy. He he owned it. I did not own it. So. What, were, what were John's thoughts on that? John liked it. I mean, liked John it. John got a shirt of it at the New York Comic Con. So John John was down with it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a bold statement to rock. Yeah. No. Shirt. I mean, it was kind of a cool shirt though, actually. So uh, I think the company that was selling it, uh, the name is escaping me right now. They had a little booth at um, at Comic Con. Like we said, I mean, the only people who really knew about it back then were horror people. But I think the, the word of mouth kind of went pretty fast after the, the minuscule kind of theatrical run. Yeah. Uh, it, it did get a lot of press. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's, it's probably sold pretty damn well for a pretty extreme movie, you know? Yeah, I, I picked up a copy. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I haven't. That's the only time I've seen it, too. Wow. That and, and one or two other times when I had just that video file that I had on the, my computer. And that file was edited. That was like severely yeah, edited. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't included. Like the baby scene wasn't in there. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Then just the whole ending. The ending, oh. I liken that ending to the martyr's ending. Yes, The depression, the, the, the gut wrench of, of the martyr's ending, right? It's just like, oh, God. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was one of the most uh, depressing um, endings <laughs> of, uh, of, of a movie that I've seen in quite a while. That yeah. was like definitely up there with Martyrs. You just want to uh, you know, shoot it, yourself it, in the face after that. It, it helped give birth to the Everything Went Black podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, in, in a way, it's also, it gave way to this podcast, but also set the, the seeds mm-hmm. for our other podcast, Necromaniacs. Right, exactly. Which is like, you know. Taking that night and putting it, putting a little bit more thought and a little bit more, uh, you know, yeah, in, into it with the Necro podcast is, uh, you know, it's it's all, uh, you know, we do three films, and you know, each episode's got three films plus like other miscellaneous stuff, and it's mm-hmm. all horror related or sci-fi right. or comics. exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it was the decision to kind of be like, okay, let's, you know, you want to maybe keep the everything went black separate maybe maybe more music focused with maybe more mma focused just different and have the necromaniacs be the pretty much the movie one right yeah just like you know because both you and i are huge fans of you know we, we read uh, a couple of different magazines you know yeah, scream yeah. and and you know room org mm-hmm. fangoria yeah yeah and there, there's a couple of pretty good horror podcasts out there like mm-hmm. the, the only one i actually really listen to is uh is double murder which Double is like murder, out okay. of Chicago. Okay. And, uh, it's like these two guys, one of whom I met on tour last year, uh, or not last year, back in January, Tim. And um, they do uh, an old movie and a new movie that sort of have a similarity. Oh. And they kind of compare and contrast. Either it's a, a direct remake of an old movie, or they'll have two films that are like related somehow. Yeah, we've we've definitely walked that line yeah. in the two years we've been yeah. we've been doing the Necromaniacs. Um where we've done the the remake with the original, yeah. But uh, I think it's like the three format, the three movie format is is interesting because we could take say a brand new one, and then something maybe really old, yeah. That maybe half the people listening aren't even aware of, and then maybe something um, a little more mainstreamish. I think we've done that a few times, right? Yeah, there's been a couple of mainstream films in there. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and. You know the remakes a lot of times are the mainstream <laughs> films that yes. get slammed. Right, you know, like I that know. martyrs remake was, was yeah. I, I it's funny. I've met people who thought it was it's pretty good. I'm like, is it pretty good, really? Come on. <laughs> nah, it doesn't get a pretty good for me. No, me I, I thought it was fucking garbage, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we, we we covered that pretty in depth. I thought, and what's funny is uh, the last Necromaniacs we did for for those who didn't listen, um, we talked about this movie Baskin. And uh, a few people hit me up on Facebook and were like, you know, actually uh, more than a few people like they need to see it now. Now they're like dying to see it yeah. if they haven't seen it already. But then there's a few people who had seen it and now want to watch it again because of our great review. Oh, so really? Isn't that nice? Yes. That is, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah that's excellent. <laughs> like because they, they want to watch it with different uh, a different mindset maybe. Sometimes that happens to me uh, where I'll watch a movie and then I'll read a review of it. Um, or I'll hear a review on a podcast, and I'll want to watch it again, sort of get a different yeah, perspective yeah. on it. But uh, but yeah, if um if anyone out there that's listening to this podcast and loves horror movies and hasn't checked out Necromaniacs, you can find it on iTunes just under Necromaniacs. Mm-hmm. And I've been posting the episodes on the Everything Went Black uh, website. Right. But this is some breaking news. In the next few months, we will have a website for Nec for Necro. Excellent. You know, and I'll. Gonna try to get back on the you know the the YouTube posting. Yeah, and, yeah. I feel I think some of our early episodes got a lot of uh, eyes on them uh, on the YouTube, and you know it's like I see 
the most recent episode actually on the, you know the Podbean uh, platform got a lot of uh, you know hits faster than say the last one. Yeah, and I think it's because we're doing a little more, a little, yeah. doing a little more promotion. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know we did this little tie-in with uh, Cheddar Brothers Records, uh, which also probably got some new new uh, you know ears and eyes on there. So yep. then we both got our copies of that record. Um, the seven inch just showed up this week. It looks awesome. Yeah, and uh, we both have uh, "Last House on Dead End Street" T-shirts. Yes, now. <laughs> yes, from the mighty uh, Holy Mountain Printing. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know Holy Mountain's doing the they're doing distribution for that seven inch. I don't. I doubt there's any left, but yeah, no, there but, was only uh, fifty pressed. I mean, I think it's great how um, the the connection. I mean, it's probably it's been there for years. The the horror movie heavy music connection is is just you know. I love when, when it just comes together right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah, but you know, it's been there forever, man, with Sam Hain and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Misfits. The yeah. Misfits more so, really, because their whole thing was based in, like, a very That was probably the real kickoff, yeah. in my opinion. Like, the direct link to, like, movies with underground music. Absolutely. I mean, you know. And, uh, you know, then in the 80s, you had the uh you know the heavy metal horror movies yeah. uh, you know trick or treat and rock and roll nightmare and, and black roses and all that kind yeah. of you know more cheesy stuff yeah they were a little a little like more fun and sort right. of tongue in cheek you know but it's that that's kind of like the be you know the other beginnings of, of the connection i would say yeah but uh i mean yeah i have found over the years that people who who love death metal black metal and and hardcore uh a lot of them love horror movies as well so you know Maybe not always exclusively, but definitely a very large percentage. Yeah, definitely. So Inhuman's been pretty... You guys are active again. Yes. Um, we... It kind of all, you know, reignited a bit um, last uh, December when we got the chance to play with uh, one of our favorite bands and, and, and biggest influences, Sheer Terror, at this spot um, in Williamsburg called The Black Bear. And it kind of was just, you know, it lined up right because it was our 20th anniversary as a band. Uh, the actual 20th anniversary would have been October, but, you know, we just couldn't, couldn't make things happen for October, so we had the show in December. And, um, I don't know, I think sometimes a little bit of absence, as they say, makes, makes the heart grow fonder, or at least it makes people, you know, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to see them. Or, you know, I want to see them again. So it's been kind of... Uh, working in our favor, which is, which is cool. I mean, we, we've never broken up, Mike. We've, we've literally been a band for 20 plus years, a little over 20 years. So that's why I said more active. Yes. Cause I knew you guys weren't just, I knew you guys, I knew you guys didn't break up. I knew right. you guys weren't necessarily as active as you mm -hmm. once were a while ago. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's life happens and things happens. Things happen with bands you know they're like marriages and relationships and sometimes you need breaks and sometimes guys do other things and family obligations and work obligations and you know sometimes it's other musical things and but i just feel like we decided a while ago that we were never going to be like a band that does like a, the final show kind of thing yeah yeah because i always felt like the bands that announced that are pretty much guaranteed to be back. Exactly. And guaranteed to eat the words and guaranteed to play again. Well, I mean, you mentioned Sheer Terror. They put out like a whole video. Yes, they did. And oddly enough, Inhuman played that show. However, however, 
they came back and made a new record and have been going very strong since their comeback. So it's it's a little different. I mean, and of course, them being a favorite, I, I view it a little differently because, you know, that's just who I am. But I mean, generally, it's not the end of the world if a band breaks up and comes back. Sometimes it's a great thing. You know what I'm saying? But we didn't want to do that ourselves. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, then people just, some some people will just be like, oh, yeah, it's it's a final show. They'll, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying? It just kind of becomes like a who gives a shit kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Do you guys think you'll be writing any more new music or it, well, we'll if see? If it's up to me, yes. Um, I, I actually, I have these songs, actually. Um, majority, you know, it's all the lyrics are written. Uh, one or two of them I have music to. One I actually have complete music to. Um, but we just kind of, I don't know, like Joe is like my, my partner within human with the writing of the songs. Joe has written the majority of the music in the last kind of decade of the band. It's weird. Like the first decade of the band was, I actually had written a lot of the music aside from the lyrics. I wrote almost the whole first album. Um, and then when, when Joe came in originally on bass, he became kind of like the, 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 the key songwriter. But Joe was playing bass originally. Yes, Joe. Uh, oh, wow. Joe was the bassist on the second record, and then uh, when Walter left in two thousand, Joe became the guitarist and has been a guitarist ever since. So yeah, and then we got Henry that same year in two thousand on bass. So it's been me, Joe, and Henry since then. You know, for a long time. And Steve, the drummer, actually joined two thousand one. He's a fifteen year guy with one with one break, one three year break in that fifteen years. So. Um, I've been oh, with so the same Steve people. Steve is back playing drums. Oh yeah, Steve. Oh, okay. uh, cool. Steve. Yeah, it's any any show we play is me, Henry, Joe, and Steve. Oh, okay. I mean, that's inhuman. So that's the other kind of decision we've made. Um, so I do want to come up with new. I have the, these these songs that are I think would be great for inhuman, but we'll see. You know, I think we're just trying to play some good shows. Like the shows we're doing are. We're playing with, you know, bands that are bigger than us or bands that, like, we like or, you know, shows that are good shows that people will come out to. That's kind of the most important thing. We've been asked to play a lot of kind of smaller shows and shows that are just like, you know, shows to kind of play shows, shows, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, right. definitely. And we're not really doing those shows. Like, the shows we're doing are good, important to us shows. Yeah, I get you know? it. And I think that's a good way to keep a band going that's been playing for as long as we have. Well, I mean, in general, I think it's a good idea as, a, as any, <laughs> any band. I mean, in, in, except for maybe that first year where you're just getting right, your shit together. exactly, exactly. But like, if, you, if you've been a band for, say, more than five years, you should, you should try to be smarter about the types of shows you play. I agree. It's good for morale, and, like, it's good for just the basic operation of the band to try mm -hmm. to not just take every single show. There are bands I know that have been around for, like, eight, nine years, and they're still playing, like, Whatever people were like, yeah, we got a show. Cool. Monday night in like Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, you know, let's um, do it. Drive. Those days are over. Nah, um, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. I we I mean, there was a time when Human did that. Yeah. And there was a time when even uh The Last Stand did that, the the other the other project yep. I have. And we're a five and a half year old band and we're not we can't we can't do that anymore. No. You know? It just kills morale sometimes. I mean it's been doing things for a long time and then like you just take these off night shows and it's just like 
why, you end up, why, why, why'd we come out here and do this? You know, we could have just did something different. You know? Right. Like we just took a, a long trip out to Brockton, Massachusetts, and it was a good show. It was with uh, Khan of Arabia, who actually, you know, when we had a record release in New York years ago, we had them play for us. They're an awesome band from over there. And, you know, they headlined and they're really big out there. So it was a good show. It was totally worth it. It was a great promoter, good people. So again, it was it was a you know strategic kind of show. So that's kind of what we're we're going to be doing, and especially you know like it, to keep it the show special. I think is like you said, it's it's good all around. Yeah. You know, but I it's weird. I don't I love playing shows though, so it's weird for me personally. Yeah. Even though I know what's good for the band, for me personally. I actually need to be playing more shows, Mike. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. which is part of the reason why I'm in another band. But it's crazy because The Last Stand has guys that, you know, have families and they're all married. And it's getting almost a little harder for, for shows to happen on that front. So there's going to be yet another band for me probably this year. Cool. Any any thoughts on that? Well, that's the thing it's it's not it's probably not going to be a hard it's not going to be a hardcore band i i have two hardcore bands yeah. um they're different stylistically but they're both in the genre of hardcore play hardcore shows you know and um that is a very big part of of my life and what i've been doing all these years but as you know someone who knows me personally i like a lot of other stuff too absolutely and i think you know i I realize, you know, as you get older and you view time differently, there's one life and there's one, you know, you get yeah, one man. set of, of, of years of your life to do these things. And I want to be more creative and do more things. So there, there will be, you know, another musical project nice. for me. And it's, it. it's, it's going to be different. Cool. You know, um, the thing is, it's, it's hard. The hardest part is finding the right people. Yeah, you know, totally drummers, man. Especially. Oh God, yeah. But you know, it's I don't know. Like a part of me wants to do something heavy, um, but like it's just so strange. I mean, before Inhuman and you know before the Last Stand, there was a band I was in in the early '90s called Confusion, who started out as pretty much a standard hardcore band, kind of sounded like Outburst, and you know maybe a little breakdown, raw deal in there. But we became really um, obsessed with death metal early on back then because that scene was exploding because the New York City hardcore scene was deteriorating. And we fell in love with this new music, death metal. And we incorporated that into kind of the sounds of the hardcore that we were already doing. Now, I was not singing. I was the bass player. Right. And part of me now feels like that kind of music back then was it was a little kind of oddball not a lot of people were really yeah the only band that comes to mind is marauder maybe. right like yeah. marauder well it's funny like we you know we were unaware of ringworm and integrity but they were around yeah then but i'm talking about new york or in new york yeah i mean it was us and really dark side marauder yeah, were but... kind of coming from more of a of a thrash metal place yeah. kind of a sepultura creator place we were coming from an obituary deicide place <laughs> and and Darkseid was definitely incorporating death metal into their kind of sheer terror-esque yeah. hardcore. And I feel like it's like now I hear these sounds in bands and it's like, wow, it's like it's been so long that 
I even like thought about that, you know, and I, I think about that era in time and like, it was weird. We were able to play a show with Biohazard and then we were able to play with Cannibal Corpse. It was kind of like, we were a weird animal confusion, you know? Yeah. And I feel like in the scenes now, there are bands that are able to do that and there's not a lot of kind of pigeonholing of what they're about. Would you agree? Like, it's like, yeah, well, so. they're this band, they have to play with these bands. I, think I feel like things are a bit more mixed. Yeah, at some levels. At some level, right? You know? I mean, like, like you know, some certain black metal type builds are all, it'll always be right, just black exactly. metal bands. And mm-hmm. like, you know, same thing with death metal. Um, you know, but like, yeah, I think in general, things are, are more open to interpretation. Like people can, different types of bands can play on builds together. Right, exactly. See, I like that. And I feel like, you know, I see more of that and it just kind of makes kind of the wheels turn as to maybe what I want to do, take something that maybe has that that heart of hardcore, which is where I kind of came from, you yeah. know, but is playing extreme music, you know? And there are bands that I feel like are doing that, you like, know? The band Nails, I would say. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Of... And even even band like All Out War, yeah. they're a metal band, they're a 100% metal band, but they're made up of guys who came up in the hardcore scene who love hardcore music. You know, and it's just, I just feel like time has kind of evolved a bit more in a way. Well, in general, I think anyone who plays metal this day and age has at one point been into punk and hardcore. I mean, that's just, hmm. I mean, because even like in the 80s, when you had bands like Slayer, like the first wave of like all those American thrash bands. Right. The reason why those guys end up playing fast is because they're into like Misfits and Black Flag and you know. Yeah, Jeff Hanneman was was that guy in Slayer. I yeah. mean, from what I, I, I'm I've read, you know, I'm a big Slayer guy, and yeah. I know that that Kerry King was a major Judas Priest head. Tom Arai was a metal guy, a hard rock metal guy. You know, Hanneman introduced those guys to that music. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can see even the early, early Slayer records are more like new wave of British heavy metal, mm-hmm. like more yes, heavy metal. Absolutely. And then someone, you know, there's like the punk guy in the band, you know, who <laughs> yeah. got into that. But yes. but that's what I mean. That's kind of like how I feel, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the same age group as those dudes, mm-hmm. but you know, I came around a little bit later, but like, I think the way you and I sort of envision music is like the sort of, um, offspring of that concept right where like we both like metal and punk and hardcore mm-hmm. and maybe like the more like philosophical angle that we have about life is based yeah, on the hardcore you, punk scene over the years as i've gotten to know you you were a hardcore guy and yeah. you're in a band playing metal but you you have that hardcore heart i'm gonna say that's yeah, the word i'm gonna use definitely. you know and that hardcore experience and that kind of mindset to to a degree, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. you took that with you to tombs, I would say. Sure. You know, as someone on the out from looking, you know, looking from the outside. And I think that's a, a good thing. Like not a lot of bands, I mean, maybe there's one guy in, in each band that has that, but there are bands that have no one that has a that lot of experience. European bands are just dudes who like metal. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> but uh yeah, it's like, but I do think that in America, though, most people that play death metal or extreme metal mm-hmm. have that past yeah, in yeah. common is that they were in the like hardcore at one point. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think that that's the reason why 
extreme music is extreme because metal in and of itself wasn't very extreme until it crossed over right. with like exactly. punk yeah, and thrash. Like until you know? until the, the thrash explosion. Yeah. You know, 83, 84, like kill them all, ride the light. Like until the, until the big four yeah. put out their first records, heavy metal was heavy metal and it was pretty rock based and yeah it was, like fantasy wasn't, it wasn't that extreme it really wasn't that extreme. no it wasn't extreme it was like you know bands like ufo and judas judas priest um you it know. was a little dark i yeah. mean maiden you know yeah, i mean maiden, maiden had, dark. yeah there was a darkness but it, it wasn't extreme no, especially absolutely. the paul diano era of, yeah of it had maiden. attitude and it had a it was it was you know yeah it was very heavy for its time oh absolutely it was but until like Slayer, Metallica, yeah, you know, Megadeth, Exodus, Megadeth, right? It, that level of just that violent edge to the music came, and all those guys, at least part part of the members, some of the members at least, were into hardcore. Yeah, Metallica, yeah. Cliff Burton, you know, he, exactly. I mean, how GBH, like yeah, that kind of shit. It's unbelievable. I mean, how much you know? You could say how Cliff Burton, he was wearing a T-shirt. Of of a band of a pretty fairly obscure East Coast punk band that was pretty much known by just punk rockers, and I'm talking about the Misfits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they were they were in on that pretty early on, if you really think about it. Oh yeah. You know, and introduced I don't know mi- like millions at me, this point. Me, one, I was one of them. Me too, exactly. And so were most of the people of my age group to that world. You know, but it's funny. There's like a meme of you know. Uh, never trust a hardcore kid who didn't listen to punk rock first. However, as much as that might be true, I almost like to say, <laughs> never trust a hardcore kid who didn't like metal first. I'll go with that, man, because my first love, the first music I listened to in like, you know, as I became like a younger adult or mm-hmm. whatever, when I when you hit that age, when you yeah. start to figure things out musically, was fucking metal, man. It was Sabbath, Zeppelin, yeah, ACDC. I think- I'll say, and and Deep to purple. me, the best musicians I know in the hardcore world were metalheads before they were hardcore guys. So, th- to me, that's like super important. And to me, and like to you can't nobody's born punk rock as much as some people like to pretend they were, right, Mike? Absolutely, like, man. Honestly, there are people that really listened to metal first, and then punk rock, and then hardcore. Which is a lot of people's story. Well, in life. well I, I know. Yeah. My my at the time, you know, I've interviewed Lou on a couple of different mm-hmm. occasions, and that's that's his story. Oh yeah, he was a you know? total metalhead. All, Absolutely. All the sick of it, all dudes. Yes. For the most part, all four of them guys. were big metalheads. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I think that kind of, if you're a musician and you play an instrument, has a profound effect on you. You know. Yeah. Um. One of the first things I ever did musically was a band called Close Call, 15 years old, with John Lamacchia from Candy. Oh, okay, Area. cool. Okay? John was the, a major metalhead like me, but John picked up the guitar at about age 13 and took to it like a motherfucker. Oh, he's a, he's a shredder. Right. Guy. Yeah. And even like back then, like he went on to play Harker for a little while. But to, without that metal experience, I mean, come on. It's like that's that's where you learned how to play your instrument, you know? Like, 
Yeah, well, John was involved with Candiria for you know, and, yeah. And that, yeah. Where do you put them? They're like sort of like all over the map with right. I mean, is. they. This is I'm talking about way before, like before that, right? You know, the, the roots of like your your kind of childhood, early teens playing. To me, if they're like in metal, then I feel like you, you've kind of started on a great path. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go with that As, from a musical aspect, yeah. a musical standpoint. You know, well for me, it's like the two the two records. There's three records that really in in the in the punk metal punk, punk hardcore world. It was, um, you know, the uh, "Slip It In" by Black Flag, mm-hmm. um, the Age of Quarrel, mm-hmm. Chromags, yep, and "Cause for Alarm" by uh, by Agnostic and Front. And what do those three records have in common? They're metal as They're fuck, metallic man. records, yeah. exactly. But there that's what, yep. that was my introduction into punk and hardcore. Yeah, though. that's awesome. I, I came from like, you know, Sabbath, uh, you know, it was the heaviest thing I was into. And when I heard the, the intro to We Gotta Know, I was like, it all, yeah. my brain's synapses connected that intro with Black Sabbath. And then when I heard Black Coffee by Black Flag, I was like, <laughs> wow, this is like fast Black Sabbath. Wow. You know? See, I... It's funny. Me, it was it was heavy metal, you know, very young. Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, even Van Halen, like. Oh, dude. The standard, like, yeah. very early 80s, very young kid sh- shit. ACDC. Then, thrash metal by about 86. Thrash metal, you know, even, and that's a little late, but I was only like 12, 13, 86. So, it's all about thrash metal. Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer. You know, that was all I listened to was pretty much the big four. Big four, Nuclear Assault, Overkill were probably the six bands that I listened to nonstop back then. Right. Now, something happened. I, I started, I was BMXing with, with John Lovakia <laughs> and a couple other friends. Then we met some other kids in the neighborhood who were skateboarders. Right. Who were listening to hardcore music. We thought they were punks. They were no, they were listening to hardcore music, right? We didn't know. Like we we, we were metalheads. We didn't we didn't know what they were, you know? We were like, hmm, okay. And they were all skateboarders. And then we started skateboarding. And then they started playing us all these tapes on their, you know, their boom boxes. Right. And they were playing the bad brains, oh, yeah. breakdown, yeah. sick of it all, leeway, crumb suckers, agnostic front. And we were like, This is great. What is this? This is great. And that's how it all happened. And that was I was about fourteen. And that was like my introduction to hardcore. I was like, this is so awesome. This is so cool. And I never forget like a friend of mine, uh, Mark, who went on to be the, like the singer in, in the band Close Call. He was like, yeah, I see you like that band Anthrax. You you got you can never listen to them again. I'm like, why? He goes, they tried to trademark the NYHC symbol. Oh, and he showed me, you know, it was on a skateboard, the NYHC. Like they would ride it all over the place. And I was like, oh, wow, they did. And of course you're 14 and you're like, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, I'm done with them. I only like hardcore now. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's pretty much how it all kind of be like an influence of kids a little older than you playing a music that was new to you that blew your mind. That was that was what my introduction to hardcore was. You know, I got to say, man, I was never a big Anthrax fan. It's funny, though. That that apparently did happen, whatever. But there was a show in 1988 where like, I, I, like Scott Ian was there and it was like apparently like people were like you know leave him alone and like you know what I'm saying it's like it, the, the, like it's like the beef is over or whatever like there was like this whole kind of thing like you know 
you know, it's it, it that shit is done. Don't worry, you know, don't try to fucking kill him or whatever. It was like, <laughs> I I remember this. I remember seeing this. I got the show. I'm like 15 years old. Like you know, I mean, those poor guys. They actually were legit fans of hardcore, and they made kind of a you know a stupid mistake and whatever. But believe me, they they they've gone on to bigger things, obviously. So yeah. Um, I it's funny. I went through a period where I hated them too. And now I kind of do still, I mean, I like them. Like, I don't, like, listen to them all the time, but yeah. I do, like, I like the early stuff. I There was a period where I really liked them a lot, like, when I was really deep into thrash. Mm-hmm. But it just, over the years, I grew away from them because I, I, I you know, I thought the Testament should have been in their mm. spot in the big four, in it's, my opinion. It's funny, say about Testament, about, about a year or change into being really immersed in hardcore, um, I went to high school with Rich O'Brien, our, our, our friend, friend, Rich yeah. from Darkside. He was, you know, a big metal guy going to hardcore shows. Like, he, he would he would be like, oh, so you hate metal? You really hate metal? I went through this very anti-metal time, yeah. right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, all right, no, I'm going to play you some stuff. Like, you're going to like this. You're going to like this. And he he kind of, like, got me into, like, into liking metal again after a year of hating metal because I was, like, an ignorant little hardcore kid. And the, the bands that re- reignited me being into metal again were like Testament and Creator. Yeah. And Creator. actually Sepultura. Okay, like, yeah. Like Testament's Practice What You Preach record. I heard that. Great I think record. that's actually the first Testament I ever heard. Okay. I went kind of backwards. Yeah. And uh, Creator's Extreme Aggression yeah. and Sepultura's Beneath the Remain. I mean, 1989, as much as a great year for hardcore it was, which it was, it was a great year for thrash metal. It was like, it was one of the best years ever for thrash metal 1989 tons of really good shit came out that year and i was like you know what yeah I, all right i can like hardcore and this at the same time <laughs> it was like, yeah you know it was just so silly like looking back at it it's kind of silly but the, you know the late 80s into the 90s when it was starting to cross over those yeah far as yeah like, it was like back in the mid 80s 86 like you really had to pick a, it was one yeah it was a huge right it was a huge division you know? right but but yeah like the late 80s into the 90s and then another record that kind of was like uh suicidal's uh, how i left which was a which, crossover it's funny some people refer to that as that's like a hardcore record and others will say no that's a metal record it's it's an ultimate it's a crossover, crossover record. oh yeah, yeah totally. great crossover record yeah. but it's another record that was like wow like i really like this yeah. you know yeah suicidal and like dri really yeah, yeah. really were kind of i think the uh the bridge you know between like the the two worlds you mm-hmm. know what i mean metal and hardcore so know. it's like we've had a, a similar kind of comeuppance right you yeah. know i mean and it's like I we were pro- I was there when like when death metal hit right death metal hit at a really interesting time because like I said hardcore was kind of going through the shitter at least in Manhattan um, right around that time there were bands in Brooklyn that we were all kind of doing our own thing like uh, like when we came out the band Confusion I was in was literally the same exact time as Marauder and Life of Agony and all these other kind of uh, Brooklyn bands. And since there were no kind of matinees in the city, there were spots in Brooklyn doing shows. There was this place, the Crazy Country Club, where we all played a lot. Uh, Lamore. Um, and then these other little kind of like fly-by-night spots. But, you know, if you still were, you know, wanted to hear like really heavy music, like death metal was exploding, you know? Yeah. 
not all my friends in the hardcore scene liked it. Like I was kind of the odd man out in a way amidst some of my really good friends uh, who weren't really that into it at all. You know, they would go to the shows just to go, you know. Um, but I really kind of took to it because I just liked the next level of oh, heaviness, yeah. right? Well, with, with thrash, you can kind of see the connection between thrash and hardcore punk. Mm -hmm. But with death metal, I think the connection was was less. Yeah. Like there yeah. was a thread. Yeah. Like the extremity of the music, except for a band like maybe Obituary. Mm -hmm. But like if you were to listen to like Deicide or Accountable Corpse, mm -hmm. you know, or Morbid Angel, it was like a whole other level of like extremity. That what, what helped seal the deal though, again, was I felt when I was hearing that music at about 16, 17, I was like, this is like, this is a horror movie set to metal music. Yeah. And what was I? I was a horror fan. Yep. So that was a very important factor in why I took the death metal. Yeah. I mean, with Deicide, you got Satan, you know, Cannibal Corpse, you got gore. Right. And, you mm -hmm. know, mutilation and stuff like that. And it just, I don't know. I was just like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I never, I never abandoned hardcore. I never stopped listening to hardcore though. Yeah. I never stopped going to hardcore shows. And... But I just picked up this this new music and it was like, holy shit, this is fucking great, you know? And then uh, a few years into that, of course, that kind of took its little dive. And, I, you know, 93, 94. In 1993, it's a little funny story. My brother Kevin, I have, you know, I have four brothers. Kevin used to buy Kerrang! all the time. Kevin was a metal guy. He liked more kind of the mainstream metal and hard rock. They used to sell Kerrang! Kerrang! was a weekly... British metal magazine that Zigzag Records in Sheepshead Bay would sell. And uh, he would buy the Kerrangs and I, I would read them. And there was this huge expose about, about a murder in Norway of, you know, two bands. I had no idea who they were and yeah. about a, a musical style that was unbeknownst to me. And of course, you know, this is August 1993. And it's, you know, when, uh, you know, Count Grishnak killed Euronymous uh, of Mayhem. And again, I'm a big death metal fan in 1993 and I'm a big horror fan and I'm a big true crime fan in 1993. It's got it all right and there. And I just, I was like glued to reading this article. And of course they had all these awesome pictures yep. of all the major players back then. Yeah. You had a picture of Emperor, you had a picture of Dog Throne, you had a picture of, you know, Burzum. And man, I'm like, what the hell is this? I was like, holy shit. I was like, I had to hear what this music sounded like. So that was literally my, my gateway, again, into the, the next level of extremity. However, it took a few months to fit to actually hear what these bands sounded like. Yeah, that was August of 93. Records, I did not actually hear these bands until the very beginning of 1994. Yeah, because you can never back then everything was like very, very pricey very imports. Hard yeah, and hard I was like by. 19, 20. Yeah. I didn't have like a lot of money. Like, those like they were very hard to come by and nobody was carrying these bands records in america dude nobody was no you know no you had the mail order or find right, some specialty right. shop somewhere by 94 the century black issue of de mysterious doom sadness and the emperor and slave split boom and then when uh peaceville had u.s distribution they put out you know the dark throne records like that like it took a little bit, like yeah. a little while, mm -hmm. to physically hear these bands, and of course, you know, I I, I gr took another underground music under under my belt. 
Yeah, that was kind of the same thing with me. I read, I don't know if it was in Kerrang, the article I read, mm-hmm. but uh, one of my old bands was getting ready to go on tour and we stopped at the record label's office. And, mm-hmm. you know, our first, the first drive was like, you know, somewhere far. So we grabbed a bunch of magazines that they had. And uh, one of them was a, was a metal magazine. I don't know if it was the same article, but mm-hmm. it was like, it might have been Krang or, you know, something like that. And I remember I, back then I didn't do any of the driving with this <laughs> other dude who he owned the van mm. and he did all the driving. So I was like, you know, reading through the magazines and I came across an article about the Norwegian black metal scene. You know, this is about 93, 94. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the shows that we played was down in, in Gainesville, Florida. And uh, we played with hot water music. Down okay. There. Wow. And, uh, but we stayed at this house called Utility House, and it's like they used to have. We played two shows. One was there, and we ended up staying there. It was like a house show type setup. And the other was at a small, another DIY place. But um, that was like for through the mid '90s. It was like this kind of spot where bands would hang out and crash, and it was always like, it was like a punk house, you know. Mm. So when we got down there, um, the dude that kind of ran the place was like, oh, you know, it's cool you guys stay here, but, you know, this guy John, he's like a roommate, he doesn't really fit in that well with everyone. You know, he might be coming home tonight late. <laughs> so, you know, he's kind of a dick or whatever. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, we're fucking stay away from this guy, man. So the dude John shows up, and he's a fucking long hair, like hmm. a metal guy. Okay. And suddenly me and him are talking about black metal. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude. You, you you know about this stuff? I'm like, yeah, I just read an article like two days ago on, in the van. He's like, come with me. And he go, I go into his room. And he's got all that shit on vinyl, dude. What? See, he, you don't... Like, it took a little while. No internet. And no. again, no domestic release of any of it. Yeah. It was an import. It was a lot of money. I mean, this this dude yeah. was like a tape trader wow. guy. Like, he was like in it, you know? Interesting. So he said that there's a record store in town where I'm able to pick some of this stuff up unbelievable so like we were there you know for two days so the day after the show at utility house we went into the you know into gainesville and there was like a record store there and i bought the emperor and slave split on cassette wow and that was that's the old the first black metal record i got <laughs> the century black one yeah wow yeah yeah so i had to be like 94 yeah, yep. yeah wow and then maybe about a year later I, or I found myself, I was working at the Newberry Comics warehouse. Mm. So that, back in the 90s. Oh, that must have been great. Newberry Comics was the king of the yeah, hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's just like any other place that sells hair dye and Doc Martin <laughs> shoes and fucking, mm. you know. There was a little bit of that back then, but still, it was really the spot. It kept all of New England, you know, in up to date with mm. like whatever music was going out wow. into the world. Stuff on Ebullition, like, you know, they had, you know, like hardcore punk, you know, goth. From what I understood metal. about that, about Newberry, they had every kind of music, like hardcore punk, death metal, black, like everything. Yeah, they had like, everything. everything. You yeah. can get anything you wanted. Wow. And then working at the warehouse, damn, we had the whole warehouse. So what you can do is you can go, like, man, I heard of this band. Let me go over to the to the D section. <laughs> oh, Dark Throne. Here it is. Wow. And then I would get it with my, you know, every once a week you you can buy shit out of the warehouse, mm-hmm. and then you can pay use your your employee discount. Awesome. So that's how I got a bunch of, you know, Burzum records and, you know, yes, Burzum records. Yes, yes absolutely. Yes, hear that, yeah. everyone in Germany. <laughs> Those, the first four Burzum records are four of the, the best black metal records, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, you know, you know, Emperor, Dark Throne, like all that stuff. And then there was uh, Lethal Wear down in, in the city here. Uh-huh, you yes, that yes. That was in the, yeah, they, 
it's funny. They had a lot of good stuff. They were they were banging you out, though. They had really terribly priced stuff. But they did have everything, though. Well, they banged you out because that was probably <laughs> one of the only places you can find that stuff. Um, Bleaker Bob's was carrying blackmail early, fairly early on, but Letherware had a lot more of it, yeah. actually. Because that's where yeah, I went. Yeah. When I was in the city, um, I would go there. And that's where I, I bought like an Emperor T-shirt there, wow. and I got a bunch of other records when I was <laughs> when I would go into the city for yeah, that. yeah, traveling down from Boston, you know. But I mean, I like I said, I I always have told some you know friends younger than me, whatever musicians and bands that I, I never would trade the era I came up in for anything because I I caught the best of New York hardcore, I I caught the beginning of death metal, I caught black metal. And I like, I've seen shows that like people pretend that they went to, like people yeah, talk totally. about, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. and I just, I don't know. I just feel like it has completely shaped me uh, as a musician and as, you know, as a person, you know? And it's just like, you kind of take it all with you, as they say. For me, I'm glad that I'm old enough to have listened to like, like classic heavy metal. Mm. Like when I was like a really young kid yeah, before yeah. I got into punk. Yeah, you know, I was in like Scorpions and like Zeppelin and well, you know, and you know, just like uh, I had some older pe- older kids, like friends of the family that turned me. I mean, I didn't have any brothers and sisters, so mm-hmm. I we had friends of the family that were one kid in particular was like way into music, and he turned me on to like Deep Purple and like Scorpions and mm. Priest and all those bands, and that's why I Rush, you know, Van Halen, <laughs> and I was like, that's why I feel fort- fortunate to have caught that have have grown up with that in my life yeah and yeah. have that appreciation for that style of music because i just think i mean nowadays like, I think, it's it's really a big influence on a lot of new bands now mm, it's know? important to have like eras in your life yeah and eras i think in your musical journey you know i mean it's i i just feel like certain people today it's everything is at your fingertips and it's how how can you really ingest something when when everything is there? Like how can you you know what I'm saying? It yeah. must be hard. It must be hard to be 16 right now, to be a 16 year old kind of just discovering metal, right? Yeah. I mean, where do you go? Like I mean, where do you go? You, you I mean, stay home. You don't go. No, anywhere. like where do you go? Yeah. Not not show what. I mean, like where do you go? As in, what is your start? Like what is your beginning? Like there are these there are these metal bands. That I like this screamo, like this whole fashion metal. Like I don't even know, like yeah. where does that even like? I don't know. It's just unbelievable. Like there's so many subgenres now, you know, that it's like where do you begin as a youngster? It's unbelievable. Well, one of the things I wonder about is, uh, you know, if you're getting into like extreme music now, you might not even really appreciate how outside that music really is. Too. Yes, you know, right. Like, like, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, up all through the 90s, that stuff was incredibly hard to find. Mm-hmm. And now, really, you can just go to iTunes and download most everything. Right. And even, look, like, even growing up as a hardcore kid, I would walk around my Sheepshead Bay, primarily back then, Irish-Italian neighborhood, wearing a Rest in Pieces shirt or a Sick of It All shirt. And, you know, some guidos would say, what the hell is that or whatever, right? Yeah, Totally. And and now it, it could be very commonplace to wear a sick of it all shirt, and and then again years later I would wear uh, a death metal shirt or a black metal shirt, and it would be like a if you saw somebody else in the neighborhood wearing something like that, it would be like oh who's that, 
it's just so commonplace, right? Like it's just it's not, you know. Well, well, the other the other end of it. Do you remember a few years ago when there was like the ironic T-shirt wearer? Yes, of like say winger, like a winger T-shirt yep. or a you know the, uh, like a an old Motley Crue shirt or right. I do remember that. Yes, I remember like uh, this is going back a few years, uh, about ten years ago. This yeah, was. yeah. Like that, the band locked in a vacancy, like Tiami mm-hmm. Bryant's band. Yes, yep, good um, guys. Yeah, I was I was in the studio with those guys and the guitar player, not Izzy, but the other guy. Who yeah, yeah. Name, uh-huh. I feel terrible. That I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. We were having a conversation, and you know those those guys are deep in the metal. Metal guys, like, oh totally, metals. yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, big Maiden fans, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. And he was the guitar player was telling me about he was out one night, you know, in Williamsburg. And mm-hmm. at a bar, he's like hanging out. He's like talking to some girl, and she had, she had a Maiden T-shirt on. Right, right. And oh, he no. was like, he's like, oh, you know, I really like Iron Maiden. You know, it's cool. Like, you are you a fan? Which do you like, the Diano era, Barra? She's like, oh, you know, I don't even, I don't listen to this band. <laughs> I, I just got this shirt because it looks cool. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that was very frustrating. Right. Yes. But that sort of was like the precursor to <laughs> yeah. where we are now with a lot of things. I feel. Yeah, like. like- the it's over metal now. It's like not over as in done with metal. Over set. It's metal is. It's like it. Be, it's cool, and now it's beyond cool. It's like everywhere. Like you know what I mean. Like it's. Yeah. But the thing is, it's good because there's people at the shows. There's more people sure. at the shows, and there's more people checking out bands. But it's bad because I don't know. I almost feel like that that little question that was asked of that person could be asked at any given show that you and I could go to of a certain person and they'd be hard pressed to name a goddamn song of the band's shirt that they're wearing. And I I I I totally believe that by the way. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you're right. It still exists only at the very least they're not going to say, "Oh, I don't really like this band." See, they're not going to say that. Yeah. They're just going to have pretty much a limited knowledge of it. Like, "Oh, um I like the new record. That's they'd say that they'd say oh, that. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm re- saying? Vague reference. Right, exactly. I think this still exists, Mike. <laughs> you know what's really a really funny is Carson, my old bass player, he mm-hmm. went out to a restaurant one night with his wife and uh this guy that was like the major D, he had a blazer on, like mm-hmm. a mustache, and like underneath his blazer he was wearing a Charles Bronson t shirt. You know, the band, Charles wow. Bronson. Wow. Uh, they're pretty obscure in my opinion. Just, just wait. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Carson's like, oh, man, I love Charles Bronson. It's like, are you, you know, that's cool, man. Do you like, you know, you like other bands like that style? He's like, what do you mean, bands? He's like, you know, Charles Bronson, the band, right? You're into them, you know? He's like, no, I just think Charles Bronson's cool. <laughs> he had no fucking idea that it was a band. Now they didn't make. Now they made sure. I remember they had a shirt shirts. with Charles Bronson on, right? But it, it was they had like their own font though, yeah. and they had yeah, they had was, like that power violence. It wasn't font. necessarily yeah. say a Charles Bronson the actor tribute shirt. It this, looked kind of like a band shirt. No? It did, but this fucking <laughs> fool thought that it was. I mean, I love Charles Bronson too, man. Yeah, hard, oh, hard times one of my favorite I wish, movies. I wish uh, there was more actors like Charles yeah, Bronson. Yeah, fucking A. It was, yeah. I wish there were more guys like Charles That's Bronson right, yeah. these days. But I I also understand that Charles Bronson, the band, was a, is not <laughs> not the same thing. But this fucking guy thought that it was a, a shirt you know, honoring the actor Charles Pretty Bronson. Pretty funny. Yeah. Eh. You know. I mean... <laughs> 
we we were talking before the, the podcast about how I don't know. I just I just kind of feel like again, maybe it is because of the internet. Maybe it is the new age of things where there's like this tendency to kind of really jump on something that's kind of cool and hot. And in reality, it's a thing that's been around for a really long time Yeah, <laughs> that you're just kind of catching up to now, you know, like the band death side, they're, they're a Japanese hardcore punk band. that has been around for over 25 oh, years. Been around for a long Their discography time. is yeah. tremendous. And honestly, like I just, nobody was talking about them at all till less than a year ago. And, and then they, they sold out to like 700 person nights recently in Manhattan. And it's just like, wow, like how does that even happen? And I, I watched the show, you know, the whole show is on YouTube. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't look like the place was filled with people who've been listening for 25 years. There's young goddamn kids up front, you know? And it's like, I think it's great that, that people um, discover new music and discover, you know, underground music. But it's just like, it's kind of mind-blowing because they're, you know... Oh, I wish that support was there for bands who've been around in New York for 10 years or five years or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but you know, institution bands, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Death Side, I like, you know, I mean, I, I checked them out like years ago. I mean, I, I knew my old bass player, Josh, is like a huge fan of that stuff. He's probably at that show, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, he he is the one who turned me on to all the Japanese hardcore, like Gauze and, you know, um, Death Side, um, you know, Gizm. Like yeah, I, I've heard these names for years, but honestly, it's like there's so much out there, and it's, it's worth just, checking out. Yeah, no, no. Stuff. I mean, I, I do like what I've heard, but it's just it's just kind of funny how these things kind of happen. And then, of course, next year there'll be another. Well, that that's band what I was that, leading up to. You know, like yeah, is that maybe ten years ago, <laughs> like when Bushwick first started getting settled with mm-hmm. like you know punks and you know weirdos <laughs> there was a place out there called croutons house of god it was like a you know a diy like loft space that right. had shows and a lot of those there was a first run of for like a couple of years there was um japanese hardcore bands touring mm-hmm. the united states because uh what the hell's his name man the dude the guitar player from from uh from uh drop dead mm-hmm uh, would would be the guy who went, who drove who drove drove him around. He was wow, the van yeah. guy, you know, the guy with the back line and the van rental. That's and, cool. But you know, it was definitely low profile shows where like maybe maybe eighty people or wow. seventy people. So there was like a, a first lap of all these Japanese bands, like maybe ten or fifteen years ago, maybe ten years ago. That's a while ago though, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's but like now though, it's it's it's, yeah, it's, it's back. Crazy. I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, because that was like. Um, yeah, because that 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 show happened like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Death Side are probably one of the more popular bands out of that. And I don't think they ever made it to the states, so that might be another no. Factor. Like it's a, it's it was a big deal. I mean, I yeah. it, the crowd was like it was packed show. You yeah. know, recently Gizm played in at Roadburn. Yeah, I read about year. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that was another big. deal. And they don't they don't come here. I mean, they're nah, no, 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 no. Like apparently that guy's got. He doesn't want people to even photograph him and stuff. Wow. There's this mystique around the, the dude, main dude. That's cool. That yeah. You know. Yeah, it's cool. You know, good dance. <laughs> it's but, just um, the underground is so, it's so big and so vast and there's there's so many bands. It's like, you know, I, I wish I had time for all these bands, but the reality is that 
you can't listen to everybody. No. You can't support every show and every scene. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of bands that people are surprised I never heard of or, or I know the name only. Yeah. Or yeah. Like me that, too. Me know? too. And it's like, but what are, what are you going to do? You can't, you got other things you got to do in life, you know? <laughs> right. You can't just sit around and listen to records all <laughs> no. day so, as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Right. You got to work and yeah. live and exactly. You know, eat and eat, yeah. sleep. Eat, you know, all sleep. Those yeah. Exactly. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. I mean, like I said, going back to what I was starting with, I I'm so like fortunate to have come from the really kind of like authentic early, well fairly early underground of this music, you know. And it's an experience that not a lot of people have that have still kind of stuck with it, you know. I mean, I have friends of mine from back then, and to be honest, the majority of them who are not who are not band people, you know, they kind of left the, the scenes a long time ago. It, to me, it's the it's the musicians that are the ones that are really still here. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, whether it even be metal or hardcore yeah, both, or... Both, right, you know, exactly. Whatever genre it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's rare to find just the kind of fans yeah. that, you know, from years ago, like... People just kind of evolve, obviously, and they change, and life happens, and things happen. Yeah, but people get families, right? And kids no, I mean, and I, but I think being a musician keeps you there, you know. Yeah, yeah, because you know you're you're being creative. You're always looking for new things to get into, and you know, and you're you relate to these people in, in a way. Yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, you're you're always part of it, you know. So hey, the guy from um, the dude who did that documentary about black metal just died. Yeah, Aaron yeah, uh, Eights. Yep. Until the light takes us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad. I actually, I sent a couple of bucks to his GoFundMe. Like, I don't know. I just. So what's the what's the cancer? Breakdown? Yeah, cancer. yeah. I mean, I my my dad died died of cancer, as you know, two years ago, and um, I don't know. I just it's kind of a it it it's it's a spot that kind of you know gets me, and I. I did enjoy that movie. I, I actually liked it a lot. I know there are people that, you know, weren't too into it, whatever. And um, I just kind of read really some, you know, good things about the people who behind that movie. Right. And Is uh, the guy American? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. American people. Oh, American. yeah, yeah. Living, living in New York City, man. They were oh, living okay. here. Um, and it's just, I don't know, re- really kind of sad. Cancer is, is terrible. It is, a, it is a monster. Yeah. I mean, it has taken a lot of people uh, in the last few years. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. That move, that movie, actually, you know, it's, it was good three, how many years ago? Five years ago? Four oh, years yeah, ago? Oh, like yeah, at least five. Years at ago. least five. I mean, that movie helped get some people into blackmail, I would say. You know, I mean, obviously, you and I were, were already pretty, quite steeped in it by the time the movie right. came out. But... You know, I, I bet you there are people out there that are like, "Wow, that that movie was my introduction to this music." You know, could be. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. younger than us, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really sad. My my uh, the thing I the thing the only complaint with that movie really is that they I don't feel like they went deep enough into certain like the interviews with Varg. Mm. Like there could have been, I would have appreciated more follow up questions mm-hmm. on some of the statements that he made. I almost feel like. Maybe not in t- super intimidated by him, but they wanted. They were a little maybe taken aback by him. I mean, he's to me one of the highlights of that movie. To me, is his moment by moment breakdown of what happened, which before that movie 
you never really got. And it's funny. I remember walking out of the movie. I saw it with our, our mutual friend, Henry. I walked out of the movie saying, okay, by the way, what he said is, is what I believe to be the absolute truth of that night. Because the way he says it and the way he talks about it, that he was kind of defending himself. I don't know if he went there. After watching that, in my head, yeah. I have, like if I'm on a jury, Mike, right. I have the doubt of whether or not he drove there to kill him. I don't really cannot say if that's true after watching that movie. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, of course, he's going to say that he's going to present a story that shoot puts a, a positive light on him. I don't know. I think it was just the way he present. Like, yeah. what? He's, he was sitting in jail. Yeah. You know? He'd served quite a bit of his time already. I don't think he had anything to, like, I don't know. I felt like he wasn't lying. I don't know why. I mean, I just, like, I felt like he, he, he wasn't a, fa look, there, there was a beef, whatever, there was a problem. Yeah. But I almost feel like, yeah, uh, Euronymous might have fucking went up in his face and, like, tried to attack him. I kind of feel like that might have happened because he didn't expect him to be knocking on his door, you know? So, I don't know. I do feel I do want to watch it again. It's been a while since you I've know, seen maybe it. I'll check it out again too. But I thought that was one of the highlights of the whole movie, actually. Oh, absolutely. Him that explaining was, what happened that night. Yeah, well, just I think having Varg having live, you know, well filmed live footage mm -hmm. of Varg at that period of time mm. was, you know, set that movie apart from a lot of other stuff that's been, you know, out there really. Yeah, and he's never um I mean, he's never changed his story. He's he's, you know. But as you know, I mean, you kill someone in in, uh, in Norway. Well, you you only be in jail for about ten to fifteen years. So it's, it's a different it's crazy, uh, right? different world over there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and based on some of that footage, it looks like the the experience in jail is <laughs> way different than it is in the it's states. It's quite different. Yeah. He, he made he made three two records in jail. He made two he made made records in jail. Man, come on. He had a he had like a desk and he yeah. had a magazine. Like he had access to the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, unbelievable. But you know, America prison system is quite different, obviously. Yeah, and, and there even might be attempts in European systems like that to actually rehabilitate people, as opposed to here. It'll be interesting. Maybe years from now, either prisons will be far worse and more extreme, or they'll be like that in America. Maybe years from now, who knows? <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, in Europe and other parts of the world, they don't have the big business that surrounds people right. being yeah, in jail. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. You know, there's like, you know, every every aspect of prison, someone's making money off of it. There's like the food mm. services people. There's like the right. guards. Mm -hmm. You know, pr prisons are, are private corporations now. Yeah. So the only way to keep profits up is to keep people in the prison. Mm. You know, even like the landscaping companies, like all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I knock on wood, never been there. Oh, yeah, I mean, never want to be yeah. there. Hopefully, never will be there. Nope. I think I've made it this long in life without exactly. going to jail or going to prison. Exactly. I, I probably. I've, uh, I've never even there. been arrested. So, yeah. nothing. That's good. I know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Lord knows, I feel like growing up doing like dumb kid stuff, like, you know, I would write graffiti or do stuff. I've ran from police as a young kid, as a teenager. Right. I just, I never got caught though. Like we ran, <laughs> like we run in, like as like a pack after writing graffiti or like things like that. Like, you know, breaking bot, like that, yeah, you know, like really basic, yeah. dumb kid stuff. I definitely ran from the police. But you know what? Honestly, it's like you being a white 
young male, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have gotten arrested. No, they probably were scared the crap out yeah. of you, sure. I mean, you know, back then it was different. Man, it was a different planet, Brooklyn, back then. So, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, cool stuff going on in TV land, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, we got, I just read today that there's going to be a Punisher series yeah. on Netflix. I mean, that's a no-brainer for Netflix. I mean, John Bernthal's performance as the Punisher is the highlight of the damn season. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody loved it. So, I mean, of course. I don't think maybe initially they had that plan because they had uh, an Iron Fist plan, yeah. and another Jessica Jones season, and um, a Power Man, Power Man yep. and a Defenders. I actually don't think Punisher was on the slate. But his, his, you know, people losing their shit over the season two Daredevil Punisher is the reason this is happening. You know, it's really funny before I get into that is like literally like five years ago, I, I had no access to television at all. I remember this. You I know, remember I, this. I hadn't owned a TV Nothing. or had yep. cable nope. since I lived with my parents. You just watched 80s. movies. Yeah, I just watched movies. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> then now, and now it's like I'm, deep, I'm balls deep in like all these shows. What's funny though is that even like this new golden age of television was already going on five years ago. It's kind of still going on now. Maybe oh, yeah. it died down a little bit. Some people think it's gone. I oh, think no, it's still no, here. No, no. I think it's going strong. I think dude. it's still here. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the shows that you watch now are the same quality as like a, a film. I think yeah. movies have actually taken a hit. In but a, good, a couple of key shows have ended. Um, Mad Men and Breaking Bad have ended. Was, um, and what else? Uh, you know, I mean... The real kickoff of that stuff to me was The Sopranos. I would agree with that 100%. The late 90s, early 2000s, Sopranos, like, big kickoff of the of the best shit on TV is on, t is on cable TV. Yeah. Was that. Um, but Netflix's original series, man, they're, they're gaining a lot of steam. And, oh, yeah. Like the House of Cards and then people, Orange is the New Black. And now the Marvel stuff. Oh, and man, the Marvel stuff's killer. There's a lot of stuff. Apparently, there's good shows on... I don't watch any Amazon shows, but apparently there's good shows on Amazon. I haven't watched any There's either. things on Hulu. Like, the whole... I work at television. I work for a cable TV network. The whole damn landscape is changing, and it actually almost changes every day. The methods to watch television... You have, like, five different methods to watch yeah, television right mobile now. mobile technology. Right. And... You know. and the competition is daily. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like years ago, you had, years ago, you had three networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. A little later, you had a fourth network of Fox. And then you had your pay cable. And that's it. Then your pay cable started having these amazing original programming shows. Okay, so now you add the Showtime originals and the HBO originals. And then, of course, you're, like the Netflix thing happened, and then the and then the smaller cable channels started getting your AMC oh, started yeah. getting these mandatory shows. It was just like explosion. I never heard of AMC nope. until Breaking no. Bad. I didn't even nope. know what it was. Yeah, you know. And then you know that FX. Yeah, that, you know, exactly, exactly. And now USA with Mr. Mm -hmm. Robot. Right. If, if you check that out, everybody says it's great. It's Th great. There's, there's only Killing. so many hours in the damn day. No, I hear you, dude. Yeah, it's great. And um. You know, and it's like, but but these shows are actually 
the same quality of like writing and you actually have pretty big actors doing tv mm-hmm. now again that yeah that has also changed uh the, the 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 budgets have changed the acting quality has changed the story quality has changed and i think because of the the ex- the technology explosion um the, you know the, that is why we're seeing what we're seeing look at game of thrones it's like you're it's like the money spent on that is just it's it's movie money yeah, really like Lord i mean of the rings and it's a know. it's great it's a huge success it's one of the biggest shows on tv like if if the walking dead is number 1 which i believe it is it is Probably, the biggest yeah. show on tv game of thrones is number 2 so and these are two cable shows that get more eyes than a lot of shows on abc nbc and cbs it's unbelievable it actually it might there's an argument that a show like say for example Hannibal which mm-hmm. I'm a, I was a fan of yeah know? yeah it was on NBC but it would have done better on yeah, AMC yeah, it would have done agree. better on FX same for Constantine Hellblazer like yeah, it, was it in the wrong really place. should have been on cable because of the subject matter and because oh, yeah. of the Hannibal was a very dark horror show that I gotta be honest it was re- even for NBC they got away with a lot on that oh, show oh yeah yeah um, but they could have been maybe a little more extreme if it was on Showtime, HBO, or AMC. But I think that just the fans didn't find the show because it was on like like a network that they would never think to look for it. Yeah, see, isn't it funny how maybe, say, years ago, maybe eight, ten years ago, the opposite would have been true. Right, exactly. Now, it's vi- now it's because it's not on cable. People aren't fine. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It must be so frustrating. Well, the, the major the thing networks. Is, though, like a show like Hannibal, you know, you know when you watch a show on AMC, they cross promote. They do the other shows. They do very well. Can you imagine if you were watching The Walking Dead and then there was a cross promotion for Hannibal? Mm. You mean to tell me that you wouldn't at least check out one or two or three episodes? This is why Preacher is going to debut big. Yeah. Okay. For those who don't know, Preacher is coming out on AMC in May. Preacher was a comic book that. I believe the both of us read when it began yeah, in, back 19, in the 90s, 1995. Yeah. Issue one came out. I bought it, and I you you I believe yeah. you did too. Yeah, it's on it was a fantastic adult comic book through DC's you know horror adult imprint called Vertigo. It ran until 2000. It was fantastic. 66 issues, I believe, mm-hmm. to the very end. It yes. was great. It is about to be on AMC. Honestly. I, some of it to me, I don't know how they're even going to put it on television, but you know what? It's I'm gonna I can't I can't critique a show I haven't seen. I'm very excited about it. And again, it's going to probably do well because it's on AMC exactly. and because it's been extremely well cross promoted. Yeah. You know, and that's what I mean. Like like I actually didn't even find out about Hannibal. I didn't even know it existed until I read about it in Rumor. Yeah. They were very And that was towards it. the yeah. end yeah. though. Yeah. It literally was the end of the third season and mm-hmm. they pulled a plug on it. So I mean, I have it on on iTunes now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm about halfway through the whole saga. I am very surprised another network is not is didn't grab that show. I'm very surprised. Yeah, man. I it would have been there was talk I was reading about it that Amazon might have yeah, picked yeah. it up because apparently NBC and Amazon have some like, Deal. symmetry mm-hmm. there or whatever since uh, you know synergy synergy yeah, but um. But they never did, you know. So who knows, man? It might be. But then again, with the the um, the killing got yeah, dropped. What, and what then, a weird life that show had. Now I love that damn great. show. Yeah, I watched every single episode. 
But what a strange trip that show had, huh? Yeah, and then the final episode was a, was a Netflix exclusive. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. There's another show out there that was the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and I don't know if most people don't even know about this show. It's called uh, Death Valley. I've so never, never seen saw a single it. episode yeah, of that. Yeah. Right. Nope. Yeah. nope. It was uh, Rob Zombie's brother, the mm. guy from, I, I want to say, Power Man, Power Man 5000. 5, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He also fucks around with movies like, like hmm. Rob Zombie. All right. However, unlike Rob Zombie, this guy knows how to make a movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. Dude, I've gotten hate look, from people. Look, man, I the that the 31 movie, we're going to see it together again. No, we 100% will see, see that it. in the yes. theater, man. Yep. Absolutely. We okay. Will. But, um, you know, honestly, I the funny thing, the ironic thing is that I liked the one movie that no one else liked by him. And you liked it, too. We did. You know. Uh, Lords of Salem. Lords of Salem. I thought Nobody was pretty damn good. I, I, people no just, wow, people like hate that movie. Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to hate on Rob Zombie anymore, but <laughs> his brother did this film, uh, in a series called uh, uh, Death Valley, mm-hmm. and it was like a horror comedy, mm. but compelling story. It had one season on MTV. I like, Unbelievable. Why? Like, I, you don't Who the fuck would do that? I, if you didn't tell me about this, yeah, no one I knew about it. The rest of my life, no wonder the show Not failed. Knowing. Right? Yeah. MTV. Yeah. Right. How the fuck do you put that on MTV, man? Wow. So yeah, it's like no one knew about it, and I remember when that's when it got canceled. There was like you know all these fans trying to band together to figure out a way, some to show support somehow, and I'm just like, how do you put that show on MTV, man? Who the fuck is gonna watch it on there? Because I mean, there. Are, I mean, I haven't watched MTV in decades. It's funny. There was an article recently. MTV is apparently going to make some major changes this year, and the, I don't know. They, they're, they're delving back into music. Uh, that could be a, a miserable um, move, honestly. To, like I don't know. I don't know if it's videos. I don't. But they're, apparently, they're 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 reconnecting with music this year. They said. Yeah, but you know what though? It's gonna be shit. It's gonna be like Kanye West and like fucking <laughs> modern pop music, all that crap that people listen to. Honestly, if they did, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, if they did something where they say they had a certain block of programming that maybe acknowledged the 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 eighties, nineties, or whatever, and then another block of programming that acknowledged the the current like if if they if they kind of played to everyone they really wanted to play to play to maybe it could work but i just don't know i mean are they talking music videos are they talking like i don't know i don't know but that that network is a mess and it has like a a very strange identity now does that is that like does anyone who watches that i think the last hurrah for them was jersey shore jersey shore was was a very big hit yes it was a very big hit but when it ended mtv kind of ended and the, the teen mom thing, like when those things really died down, that network just just is done, has been done kind of ever since. All right, so let me get this straight. MTV was in the reality TV business yes. for all these last decades or mm-hmm. whatever. They they didn't have like Headbangers Ball or any of that no, stuff on there. No, the, the that that well shit that show ended in the ninety five in ninety five, but it was revived in the early two thousands when Jamie Haperied right, hosted. Right. Yeah. Up until well, maybe even the mid two thousands, actually oh five oh six. Okay, but after that, done. There was nothing. There was nothing. 
And literally for almost 10 years, there's been there's been no reason for anyone who likes any kind of heavy music to turn on the channel. Yeah. Because even, you know, for a while, VH1 was doing music videos. Yeah, like, they're you know, another like one with a strange... Shows, a like strange they, were... uh, they, they got rid of that metal show. Now, that metal show... I kind of liked it. I did kind of like... Like, it was, it was... I had a weird relationship with that show. Eddie Trunk would frustrate me so much because... The the man was a was it a heavy music denier, I'm gonna call him. <laughs> but the other two guys did talk about heavy music and some of the episodes were good and since I actually do like some hair metal and, oh, and a lot no. of the, and I actually like a lot of the bands that would get on there, I enjoyed the show. So when they canceled it, I was very surprised. That show probably cost nothing to make that show, but I have heard that the Viacom Network sh shows are very companies are very cheap, yeah. so maybe they didn't even want to even spend the money they were even spending on the damn show, which is a damn shame. So right now, yeah, they, they I don't know what's going on on VH1. I, that was a fun show because I mean it wasn't just hair metal like they you know he he would have like heavy metal. On yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. Because you know, I'm I'm not a huge hair metal fan mm -hmm. at all. I mean I like LA Guns and you know you know I went to a taping the and the the guests on the taping I went to was was Max from Sepultura. Yeah, see, and yeah. Uh, it was it actually had, it was pretty decent focus on heavy music on that particular episode. So it's kind of interesting, but yeah, they got rid of it. That was a VH1 classic. I mean I don't know I don't know what's on these networks anymore, and maybe maybe I'm not supposed to know. I but saw, I did read in a, in a trade magazine that MTV is going to do a whole kind of rebranding. No, re that, that, that could be fucking terrible, man. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the shit that they I would know. put on there? Like Nicki Minaj or whatever the fuck it is. And like some, can you imagine that? Yeah, there be nothing. I mean, I again, can't imagine because that's what makes money, man. If they wanted to maybe reconnect with their past, eh, I doubt it because they don't like to even talk about the past, MTV. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, back in the day, that was like it had a people, great run. Yeah, it had man. a really good run, like from the up up until about ninety four, ninety five. It had a really nice run. Yeah. I mean, if if you know when grunge was big, it was on twenty four seven. They had one hundred twenty minutes. They had headbangers ball. Like they had reasons to turn on the show for Absolutely. people like me and you, actually. Yeah. You know, so but even pop music was better back. Yeah, then. it was. You know, it was like it was more guitar based. Madonna. Yeah. You know, like in the 80s, in the 80s uh -huh. you know, Duran Duran, like the psychedelic furs. Like you would, I mean, all right, I, I think just in general, pop music was better back then. It was. You know? And and, the, and to me, it's funny because I bet you there were people back then that thought it was garbage. But the fact that Duran Duran plays like the Garden and Barclays, like the, the fact that there are young, young kids that want to hear 80s pop music right now speaks quite a bit about oh, yeah. the 80s pop music so totally. you know you know stuff that, like i didn't even really like in the 80s i like now because yeah. of nostalgia and right, also right. the understanding that what's popular now isn't nearly as good as what what, what came out back then mm -hmm. you know what i mean like even bands like aha like stuff like that <laughs> you know which at the time i was like man this is i can't fuck i want to right. punch someone in the face when i hear mm -hmm. this music but now i'm like oh wow this is like kind of cool you exactly know? Like I was talking to a friend the other day, like about Culture Club came up, and I'm like, you know what? I got news for you. I you you wish Culture Club was on the radio right now, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. <laughs> it's you know, it's a, you're right. It's a nostalgia thing. I mean, it makes us think of when we were pretty young, and it's it's pre metal for me. I mean, it's yeah. like it's the it's 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 what I liked 
before I, you know, like before metal, like what was on the radio yeah. in my dad's car or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in the, you know, you think of girls that like, <laughs> man, like just, you mm-hmm. know, when you're like 15, like some little high school chick that you're right, right, exactly. It, you know, I mean, yeah, but again, I think, you know, bands like using Duran Duran as an example, they're, they're like, a band that has really stood the test of time. Another band that is from that era that only plays arenas and stadiums is Depeche Mode. Oh, I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Who's had a better career than that band from the 80s, from from what people thought was a throwaway band, dude? I mean, it's unbelievable. They started off like that, but then they got a little darker. And yeah. I think people started taking them a little bit more seriously. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a band you could find a guy, you could find a devil worshiping face painting guy that has 10 of their records in his collection and then you could find a 17 year old girl with 10 of their records in her fucking itunes yeah who could like what a career mike <laughs> i saw them at barclays center yeah oh yeah me too i was at the show yeah, yeah they're fucking oh, fantastic amazing, i've actually seen them four times so oh, i'm a big fan yeah so hey man were you were you a prince fan at all it's funny i actually have no prints in my collection me neither, actually. Not on my physical collection, not in my digital collection, but I could probably rattle off 20 songs right now. Exactly. And I could probably rattle off the lyrics to 10 songs at least. So that, that's a yeah. good point that I, I share that same perspective that you do because, you know, I, I've always thought he was an interesting yeah. songwriter performer and i backed him as like a, a creative person yeah but, yeah but I, I didn't have any records no and, and i, I think it, it's like you take someone like him you kind of take for granted like yeah the man's been around since the 80s technically he came out in the late 70s yeah, actually late 70s, yeah. um uh, you know he was again he was my pop music as a very young kid pre-metal like you know what i'm saying like pre-being like a metalhead that is probably what was on the radio in my house you know and I, I liked it as a kid. I definitely did, you know? And I saw Purple Rain on VHS yeah, as a young yeah, kid, yeah, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then, like, as the 90s went on, like, he had these really, like, kind of dirty videos, I remember. And, then not, like, and he was just surrounded by these stunning women throughout his entire career. One of my friends on Facebook did something really funny. The day after he died, my friend Ed, he listed all the girls that Prince slept with. And it was just like, oh, all dude. the guys were putting like all the thumbs up. And it yeah, was just man. like, yeah. for this alone, the guy deserves a, a nice send off. And it's just like, you know, if you really think about it, the guy was like an extraordinary guy, you know? Totally. Um, you know, you know, he, and Prince, one of the things that I really dug coming from like a very uh, middle-class, you know, kind of, you know, like, Everyone in my where I grew up was like Italian and Irish and you know white people. You know? By the way, I learned something the day he died. He's a quarter Italian. <laughs> I actually never knew that. His dad it was black and white, and his mom is black. Okay, so yes, his dad was Italian and black. So never knew that until he died. Huh. I oh, I mean, I I probably might have been like, hmm, is he is he mixed race? But yeah, oh yeah, he he's mixed race. Yeah, never knew that though. But he always had like it, it was a variety of women around him. He had, like white oh, yeah. white girls, yes. you know, sisters, uh, you know, Puerto Rican yeah, chicks, he, like everyone. Uh, it was unbelievable, and women loved him. And I always like, 
I always remember that about him. Like, man, this guy got this just tons of hot chicks yeah. surrounding this man, you know. But you know, it's um <laughs> it came as a shock because the dude yeah. was only fifty seven too, man. Yeah. Young, young guy. I was die. reading a set like he he went to a vinyl shop on record store day five days before he died. He bought he bought like five records. It's like, oh man, it's like he, he might not he, even he, had a chance to listen to He had to those no records, intention right? of dying. Like, you know what I'm saying? He didn't want he wasn't like, you know, he didn't want to die that day. I mean, the guy, you know. Wow. Sad. Really sad. Do you think there's some story behind why he died? Like, yeah. Do you think there's something going on? Like some nefarious, know. uh, you know, something fuckery going on with this well the police ruled out any of that but again i mean we'll never fucking know i mean they they did the autopsy like the full autopsy results take like two or three weeks yeah so you'll maybe someone the, come the up. public will know the actual cause of death in, in another yeah. week or so but it is pretty fucked up like i'm a big saturday night live guy yeah um one of the five people in the world who are and um well back in the, i used to love it man right but i haven't watched but it in i, 20 I years. still watch it like i actually really? still watch it yes and they did a whole show about him. Okay. A bunch of his clips and stuff. And they even showed the very first time he was on. He was on for the first time in 1981. 81? Yeah, 81. Yep. And um, it just, I don't know, just, and, and they showed the other ones from the 80s and 90s. And it just like really kind of brought me back to back then. So it's like, yeah, his death really kind of made me kind of sad for a guy who I actually, again, I do not own any of his records. But I know his music and I know oh, yeah. his story. You know, and, and in a lot of ways, I, I kind of back his music because yeah. there was a lot of guitar playing in it. And Yeah, like I watched a bunch of his guitar clips that he has like on YouTube of him doing solos and stuff. And it's like, holy shit. Like, how did he not do anything a little more guitarish? Like, you know, after the Purple Rain stuff, like he didn't really get super guitar heavy. Like, why not? Like, Jesus, man. He could play like yeah, he was, really he was, well. He was a great player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's uh I'm interested to see like if there's any any kind of like story about his Yeah. Life. And then the other thing is the, the songs he wrote for other people. Um, you know, Nothing Compares to You, that's his song. And oh. then a song I forgot was his song, Manic Monday by the Bengals. You know that song? That sounds like a song. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, I forgot about that song. But and there are other songs too. Did you uh, did you watch that O.J. Simpson? Uh, yes, show? I did. Probably one of the best things of on TV this year. Again, it was unbelievable, huh. and it did a very fucking good job of 1994, 94. Like yeah, no, every, totally. like the music yep. and the the clothing and just the whole like they they must have painstakingly went to lengths to go to like. Everything has to be 1994, 95. Like, yeah, they nailed it. Really it good. Pretty good. I, I just, I, I got it on iTunes, so mm -hmm. I didn't watch it. When, I, yeah, I didn't even consider watching it until everyone told me how good it was. No, yeah, you're gonna love it. It's, yeah, I started watching. Oh. It. I'm like three episodes yeah, in. Yeah, right it's, now. it's fucking great. Yeah. The, the acting. There's gonna be some, some Emmy nods there, definitely for a couple of people on that show. John Travolta looks bugged out, man. Yeah, but he does probably some of his best acting in years. And he he was a he's a co-producer on it, so yeah. David Schwimmer looks like uh, like a Jewish Count Dracula. <laughs> he looks like like uh, like Frank's like uh, Frank Langella. Or he kind of does, but he also dude. Everybody does a great no, job. No, hey, man. it's awesome, man. You know, I love it. Um, I it very compelling. I was like, I was I was like glued to it every time I watched it. 
No, uh, no dead weight, you know. You know, speaking about like deaths and celebrity murders and stuff, is uh, did, there's a an- yet another Kurt Cobain documentary out there too. Mm. It's called uh, Soaked in Bleach. I have not seen that one. I heard it's pretty damn good. It really changed my point of view around about pretty much being, you know, I, I used to think that Courtney Love was like evil and, you know. Maybe involved. Maybe involved. Now yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that she fucking <laughs> had that motherfucker killed. You know, I mean, it's like, there's See, no doubt in my mind. See, after that other documentary that had, what's his name for the mentors? Oh, in, yeah, uh, Duce. Now that really made me go, yeah, she does something weird here. So apparently this one will put that opinion over the top. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, totally. It's wow. um because it's all the guy, there's the same private detective that was in Kurt and Courtney. That's okay. the documentary you're talking about. Yes. Right? It was a good documentary, yeah. Yeah. And um, I recently rewatched that after I watched Yeah, Soaked I'd like Bleach. to check that out again so myself. So you should watch them both back to back. And um, But the, uh, it's the, there's a private detective that's in, Private private investigator that was featured in Curtin Courtney, that was actually part of the case, hmm. and he has the entire all of his conversations with Courtney Love. He started recording them. Oh boy! Okay, every time he did something related to this case, he recorded all the conversations. This thing, soaked in bleach, is basically assembled from all of his recorded conversations. Did she try to block this movie? Has yeah. She- Oh, is she, oh yeah. she, she like acknowledged? Yeah, this movie? there's all sorts of threats and everything. Wow. You know? And um, some of it, the funny thing though is like some of it's like acted, some of it's like re, re a lot oh, of it okay. is um, a lot of it's actual footage. Yeah. You know, but then there's some spots that Re-enacted. are recreated reenactments. There's a, a great Elvis move that it's it's what I thought was a documentary years ago, and then I learned that because I I saw it as a kid, I learned there's an adult that there's a lot of reenactments in it. It's called This Is Elvis. Mm. It came out in the early 80s. It's it's fantastic. I'll check it's that a out. mix of real and a guy who looks so much like him that it's like you don't even realize it's a guy who's playing him. But well anyway. they they um when that that could be done really well and mm. I think that they do it really well on Soaked in Bleach. Mm. However, the guy that got to play Kurt Cobain, he's like this surfer, like he's probably <laughs> got like shredded abs and right, stuff. Right, he's like right, yeah. he's like this sort of like you know, like ripped, like hunky, like surfer looking guy. But you know, and Kurt was like nah. a little dude. You yeah, know, a little skinny, kind of skinny guy. No physique. Yeah. Yeah. And then the chick that got to play Courtney is like this kind of piece of ass, like, you know. And <laughs> Too she's good looking, right. Yeah. Not very good looking. Right. You know? No. But um, but yeah, it's it's it was good, man. And it really there's like certain things in there about the the way the where the shotgun was located, the fact that the door was locked from the outside. Like, there's all these little things in there that make you really be like, hmm. And the fact that the Seattle police were so negligent, like, they declared it a suicide on at the like site. Immediately? Mm. Without, but apparently, police correct police procedure is when the cops show up, they say there's a death. That's it. Right. Then when they investigate it, and then the uh, forensic people come in, then they decide whether or not what it was a suicide now, or murder or natural cause. I don't even like know. Whatever. Was was the note like right there? Was it somewhere else? Apparently, it was right there. And it apparently, right there. it's Maybe in two different types, two different handwritings. Oh God, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing that that it's it's two different handwritings. Yeah. And then supposedly the kind of rifle it was is almost impo- It's almost yeah. impossible to pull the trigger at yourself. That was so, yeah because that's the what length, I was saying. The, the angles and the angle and how your hand would have to be placed. 
you know, and had you had to like bend your wrist in a certain way, it was almost impossible to do that, or it wasn't possible. Wow. Now they also shine a very negative light on Dylan Carlson, the guy from Earth, too. Mm. You know, mm. which you know, hey, could be possible. He you know? seems like a weird dude in yeah. that other. I mean, in the in the other uh, documentary. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Just weird. Yeah, he's like some methed out like, like heroin guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. But it, it he oh they address him in this. Oh yeah, they oh, have wow. some guy play him too. Oh interesting, interesting. Yeah. Wow, weird. But uh, yeah, it's it's it really cast new light on the whole case for me man even mm. though i mean i i, I want to believe i mean, you know i think courtney love is kind of she's kind of mangy you look know i gotta I mean? be honest not the not a huge nirvana guy neither am i really why in the world would he have killed himself at the height of his game like well why? there's a lot of conjecture about I, that too you yeah, know like I mean, there's that movie that came out on i think it was on hbo mm-hmm. that uh Whatever the fuck. It's oh, called. I didn't see that. Yeah, the one about his notes and his yeah, his writings I mean, and that came from his journals. Yeah, yeah. like that. That's kind of like saying that. Yeah, he killed himself. You know. Mm. But it's like, I don't know, man. Like I, 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 just the fact that like Courtney after, it's funny that I'm talking with her. Her film Courtney, career her, blew her up. Her film career blew up. And, her career blew up. Yeah, blew up. And the week after Kurt was quote-unquote murdered suicided or whatever she's like you know this new record coming out you know and she's like it yeah. turned into this promotion yeah. her, her her morning turnaround was pretty fast i remember yeah. i remember that uh, i mean I'm, I'm honestly dude i'm not i'm not a fan either i mean i like you know maybe like one record by them i mean i was never a huge nirvana fan i like myself. bleach i don't own it anymore i used to own the cassette back in the day yeah. bleach is cool. and i owned the Nevermind cassette never owned either on cd and never feel the need to listen to either. Nah, <laughs> I mean, that's my that's my Nirvana. Yeah, that's why I don't I don't yeah I don't listen to them. I don't. It just wasn't. My, I mean, I'm not saying they're a bad band. Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't what I was into. You know I, I mean? really liked Soundgarden more. Oh, I liked yeah. Alice in Chains more. Alice in Chains. I I might have probably even liked Pearl Jam's first two albums more, in my opinion. I just liked. I it never more. liked Pearl Jam. No, I liked the first two records definitely. You know what band you should check out? You probably heard of them already. This is a band called Skin Yard. I remember them when they came out. And you, I remember you said them. you didn't like them, bro. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it being... I mean, I think I heard them when I was 18, 19, and haven't heard them since, so maybe mm. I can check them out again. Yeah. they um, Them and Soundgarden were probably my two favorite like heavy rock bands, mm-hmm. along with uh, with Tad. Tad? Like, from that part Tad of the country. Yeah, yeah. You know? I really dug Screaming Trees a lot. Um, I didn't like Alice in Chains until about maybe three Til years later ago. on. Hmm. Three years ago, I started checking. You're them out. a funny guy. I'm man. funny, right? You're funny with these these late bands. Yeah, things. dude, typo negative. Typo. You never were into them until recently. Unbelievable. Like like just a few months ago, I wow. started listening to them. I think it's all the Brooklyn living, man. You're finally you're finally <laughs> there, man. You're finally there. Typo. People who like typo like them immediately. <laughs> yeah. It took me a long, like, decades. Wow. I, I heard them, like, in the 90s. Yeah, of course. You know? And I was like, man, I don't know about this stuff. And then <laughs> suddenly, I don't know, man. Like, you know what it was? There was a live video of them playing at Vakken mm-hmm. in, like, the late part of the day when it was still light out. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was later. It was, like, uh, Life is Killing Me era. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, like, pretty fucking powerful shit. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and like, suddenly the, the humor element and the serious element, like the sort of contrast in those two things within that band, mm. I was never able to reconcile that. Okay. 
But now I can. Now I'm like, mm. oh, I, I get it. You know, it's like. Well, did you read the book? No, I heard negative things about I, that. I, I, I think you should read it. Actually, I, I, the okay. one that came out recently, last year. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a day one fan. I was at their first show. I, I saw them rehearse when I was 16. I, I'm a big fan. The carnivore fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I'm, carnivore. I'm a major fan, and um. The book is interesting. The book is written by another major fan who was there back then. Uh, not a Brooklyn guy, but it was a journalist. And it's interesting. He, he, he interviews pretty much everybody that you could interview barring the band members. See, that's sketchy, I think. But that's because the band members didn't want to have involvement. So. Yeah. But then at the very beginning of the book, there's a thing that talks about how Josh, the keyboard player, did get back to him very yeah. late in the game of the book. So there's a thing about that, about how Josh answered some questions. So, oh, okay. Um, but as you know, in this world, uh, say, for example, I wanted to, in five years, write a book about uh, the Chromax. I'm allowed to do that, and it can come out, and I don't need the permission of anybody in the Chromax. So this guy, I mean, technically, you know, uh, you didn't. he didn't need... The, legally whatever the permission of anybody in the band to write the book right but he did go to lengths to have a lot of very you know factual things in the book from his uh some friends from you know growing up and his family but the big problem is that for most of his the time in typo pete was at at odds with members of his family and a lot of the people uh, gave that input in this book, so it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, and 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 some of that is even addressed in the book. How, you know, about the the, the home in, in Brooklyn and about you know ownership and things like that, and about rehabs and all this kind of personal stuff. And you know, the the not having the band's cooperation is definitely that's a big strike. It is a strike. Yeah, but again, I think if you read the book. You, you'll see what I mean about how if you're a fan, you'll appreciate what is in the book. Okay. Because even me, someone who actually knows a lot about certain things, some of those things are in the book. So it, it's kind of interesting. And it just, it, it's, it has a very, I mean, the ending is very sad about his death and about his, his, how he was doing and everything. It's just kind of a bummer. But it's overall the book has struck a chord with fans of the band. Okay. Majority yeah. of the fans on like Facebook pages, things like that actually do seem to like the book. I think maybe it has to do with the fact that it's, well, it's the only thing of yeah, its, it's the only, the only thing of its there. kind. Yeah. I would love one day if the, if someone in the band wrote their own story, I mean, you know, but that's the thing when you're, when you're famous, semi-famous, whatever, you know, Slayer has a couple of things written about them, but there's actually nothing, that's from a member of Slayer out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And there's a few bands like that. There are these books out there, but they're not written by anybody in the band. So, you know. Yeah, there's that Rollins thing, Turned On. Yeah, and then it's there's like that Black British, Flag book, British whatever, guy. right? Yeah. Like, it's like these British guys wrote. How are those books? Have you read any of those books? I read Turned On. It's like an unofficial biography. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I read the Black Flag one. I think I have it, but I don't know if I read yeah. it. Yeah. I'm like, part of me is like a British guy wrote it. And it's like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, nothing is England, but like, it's... England's like hatred for Black Flag in the early years <laughs> makes me feel like why the fuck is some Brit writing about? But Black it's Flag? weird though. Obviously, the guy who wrote it is like probably a super fan, and yeah. had to get some 
something somewhere from someone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some of it, right? Well, but, it's like there's a million Charles Manson books out there. Yeah. Which both you and I probably have most of them. So. <laughs> or I've read. I've definitely read quite yeah. a few. Yeah. But again, it's like, you know, there are bands that I really love, and it's like, well, what, where's the book? Like, why is there no? I'm a big Slayer guy. Okay? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Why is there no Slayer documentary? Why there's never like. They have these three live home videos. There's no documentary. Like, like really, a band like that, you know? Like, there should be something. No, I mean, Dave Mustaine has written books. Scott Ian has written books. Metallica, like Metallica, are, are documented. Slayer yeah. is rather undocumented, and it, they're way more important to me than some of these other bands that are very documented. They're very more, they're way more important to me than Megadeth. I'm yeah, not even real, yeah. I'm not like, even really a Megadeth fan. Like, I like certain I've records I've gotten by a little them. more into them in the later in my, like, later. Like, yeah. But Slayer is, is like, hmm, what's, why is that? Like, weird. Slayer beats all those bands as far as putting out the most consistent records, though. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, Megadeth, those first couple are killer, but then, like, they drop off. They have a very long run okay. of, like, ooh, whatever yeah. where slayers or whatever is literally like like two records and, and that one well record. that one isn't even that bad no yeah <laughs> diabolism music I actually you put it on now and it's actually yeah it's pretty i'll, I'll like I, I play that every now and then i'll put that on and i'll be enjoy it as a great opener great yeah. opening song but you know paul delaney will probably disagree with me but <laughs> metallica has been horrible for 90% of their career. No. I mean, the, the last... Well, think about how many years they've been around. All right, but... Putting out records. I, I was thinking about this recently. And Injustice for All was the last record I can listen to. By I now. actually really like Death Magnetic. I really, really? like it. And it actually rekindled my love of Metallica. And I actually, like... I remember I told somebody, I went, you know what? Because I like this Death Magnetic so much, I forgive them for trying to sue their own fans. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Death Magnetic is a thrash metal record, man. I really like it. Really? Yeah. But look, I really was very upset with them for, well, like I said, trying to sue your, your own fans uh, for downloading records that you already bought. Um, and I really was like bummed out by that whole Napster era. Very upset. I was like, what are they doing? Like, yeah, you know, shabby. But they, they laid off that and I feel like they've moved away from that. And I think they don't really give a rat's ass about that stuff anymore, obviously. And um, I'm very uh, interested and excited for the new record coming. Though they have a new record coming Yeah, it's out. coming, yeah. Huh. What, what's the, uh, the, you know, is there any vibe, like what, what it's going to sound no, like? No, they said it's it's heavy. Like, I've heard things, it's heavy and it's thrashy and it's, you know, I don't think they're they're not going back to load, reload. That's that's done. That's They're not. Okay. It's, it's going to be Metallica-like record, I think, so. But, you know, it's funny. These classic bands, like, you never know when, when it's going to be the last record. But Metallica, it's funny. Metallica are, well, they're younger than Priest and Maiden and Scorpions and yeah, a couple other true. bands that we feel like, well, shit, the last record could be any time. Yeah. You know, same, same for, you know, Slayer, but although there are people that argue that they shouldn't even exist without Jeff Hanneman, um, I'm not that of that really mindset but although he is missed and i am very his death is definitely like a big deal and uh but they you know 
their band and it's their life and their job and I kind of get why they're still together. I mean, I can't fault them. Why in that wouldn't way. they? Why wouldn't they continue to they play? They still have they... tons of fans. Yeah, and, and they're writing killer riffs, man. Yeah, like, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they should have broken up. No. Well, they, I mean, if they if they should break up, then so should Priest and Maiden yeah. and oh, yeah. everyone other. Tons of these band. bands should break you know, up. It's like why should. why I I don't, I. I, I saw them last summer. They were great. Yeah. They're yeah. awesome. So mm. fuck it. I'll, I'll go see. I always try to go see Slayer whenever they come through, man. They're a great band. And they're like, like literally like a band that is just, they're a lifetime band. Like this is a band that like, y- you know, you're going to like them forever, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I saw that Twisted Sister documentary, man, which you got to see that. I, I really want to see it. Somebody else was talking about it yeah. on like Facebook today, actually. I feel like if you live, if you grew up in the tri-state area, it's 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 more significant to you than if you grew up in like California or something like that. No, they're definitely one of those bands. Yeah. I mean, don't, they had obviously very nice, ma- you know, nationwide, yeah. worldwide success. Yeah, they had a spike in their career. But around sure. this neck of the woods, they're a, a, a bigger deal. They're kind of legends, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, the documentary captures the the vibe of like being like one of the most successful independent bands before they actually had major success. And let's be honest, Mike, New York, we don't have a ton of big metal and rock bands. No, we don't. It's not really a rock city. Really. I, it's like five, dude. Like Kiss and Anthrax and the Ramones and Blondie. And Twisted Sister. There you go. That's five. Okay? There yeah, you go. I mean, yeah. like, think about that. Really, really think about the world the world scale. The worldwide scale. Well, the thing is, too, is Twisted Sister are, like, like native to the greater New York area, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know Blondie necessarily. Well, no, she uh, moved here, but they, they're they a yeah. New York City band. Right. Like, she, you know. But, but what I do like about about Twisted Sister is that they were, like, greater New York. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like, Jer- one guy was from Jersey, one guy mm-hmm. was from, you know. I think uh, some a couple guys were like maybe one was from the Bronx or something, and mm-hmm. D. Yeah, Snyder yeah. was from out on Long Island, mm-hmm. and he wasn't the original singer. Wow, that's crazy. They have like awesome live footage of them performing at, at clubs, doing covers, like playing, like doing David Bowie covers. Well, and, you look on YouTube, you can find Slayer doing Motley Crue and Judas Priest covers. So yeah, exactly, man. Everybody saw it somewhere. Yeah, isn't it funny though that they were covering Motley Crue like? I think somebody said something about, I don't know if it was Metallica, no, Metallica wasn't covering Motley Crue, but I think it was another band, too, that was doing, like, something from the first Motley Crue record early on. Like, that was a big deal. Like, their first record and first two records were a big fucking deal. Crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Tom Ray singing Looks to Kill or something, or Live Wild. Like, yeah, it's on There's it's on YouTube. I am not crazy, everybody. There's there's footage of very early Slayer rocking out to, to a Motley, an early Motley Crue song. I've seen it. Weird. Yeah. I never really was a, could get into Molly Crew. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's I, like a rehearsal setting. They're in like a rehearsal setting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 I never got into that. I love them. I, I, the first two, especially, I love those two records. I, mean, I have those records, mm. but I don't, I can't, I can't get The first one is really punky. Yeah. Really punky. And the second one is like the metal, like the dark kind of vibe and, you know they're wearing the, the more kind of evilly kind of makeup shout, and a pentagram. And she, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, it's a huge impact on like a me when I'm like nine and ten years sure. old, dude. I mean, Jesus, absolutely. I remember hearing "Looks Like Kill" like on the radio, 
Mm. And I remember just being like, man, it's like, because right when I heard that, I was starting to get into punk. Mm. And I was like, man, I know that if this is last year, I probably would like this one. <laughs> but I, I, I had kind of moved away from metal. Oh, yeah. And I was like, definitely more into yeah like, i brought punk. it up earlier you go through or back then you went through an anti-metal phase when you got into yeah. punk or hardcore and i went through a very anti-metal phase like listening to nothing but hardcore you know and uh, it's kind of funny though how how much more i got like i got to really appreciate it more after that phase it's kind of funny <laughs> Well, dude, thanks for being part of this uh, 100th episode, man. Thank you for having me, Mike. No, Absolutely, killer, man. You know, and uh, great time. Anyone out there, you can catch us uh, regularly together at the Necromaniacs podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, you just go on iTunes, check it out, or I've been posting the uh, the Podbean players on the Everything Went Black Media website as well. Yeah. And if anyone who's involved in any of our various Facebook pages, we <laughs> promote all that stuff too. Yeah, totally. So, so uh, where can people? Um, you know, get at you or any of the, the you know, the um, Inhuman or Last Stand stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, Facebook is uh, Inhuman. We're the Facebook.com slash Inhuman. That's us. And it's uh, for The Last Stand, which is the band I do with the guys from uh, Shutdown. Um, that's uh, Facebook, The Last Stand, NYHC. And yeah, be on the lookout for uh, new stuff for me. New music, new musical project. Awesome. Yep. Thank you for having me, Mike. Thanks a lot, man. See you guys later. Later.
So people are like kind of, you know, wanting to sound like them young kids now. Some bands over there. But I've never seen them. I've missed every show they've played in New York. I've, you know, Absu played last night and I didn't go. Oh, I knew about that. Yeah. You know why I didn't go? Why's that? Because, man, I live too far from here. That's why I didn't find On a weeknight, man. How long does it take you to get out here? From my house to here? Like like an hour and a half? 90 minutes, yeah. Yeah. 90 minutes. So it's rough, dude. Mm-hmm. That was well, a $42 cab ride. Roughly $40. Yeah. Yeah. So That's a lot of money, man. It's got to be weekend shows or like something super, spe- like super rare to get me to go out here. I'll go to Irving Plaza, Gramercy weeknight how, show. How, um, like, what's the, what's the, the trip into the city like for Well, for it's, you? it's much it's, faster because it's, it's, it's faster because of the B train, yeah. which is Monday to Friday. Okay. It's one bus That's to the B. Train, Boom. Right? Yep. Yeah. Weekend's a little longer. It's a bus to the Q, but it's, it's, just, it's just easy. Because it's just one one train, one yeah. train, one bus. To get out here, you got you can't you got to fuck with G train and shit. Train, it's it's three trains and a bus. Holy because shit! Because of the whole LQ scenario, the LG scenario. Yeah, but it's fast though. It's fast. Yeah, it's like I'm only on the the uh, G for two stops to connect with that. You know, the L to get me to Manhattan to get me to Brooklyn. <laughs> if I lived by Jacqueline, it'd be easier actually. Because I can oh, yeah. grab that FG. She only, yeah, she takes the. It's a, it's one right. train, it's yes. one line, really. Right. You know. But I live. Yeah. It's I live in like the deep south of Brooklyn. The deep south. <laughs> I live in the deep south of Brooklyn. Yeah. You talking about that? Hmm. Listen to this. I. You know how I know Necromaniacs is getting bigger? No. How? Because someone messaged me. A picture of the Brooklyn Monster Factory sign saying, here, you can use this to make the shirt. Perfect, man. That's great. Yeah. That's how I know. There you go. You got an image and for I was the t-shirt. Like, wow, thank you. Wow, that's uh, awesome, dude. Like a picture, like the outside, I, like from the Facebook page that I even forget is even there sometimes. It was very funny. I'm just like, holy shit. Wow. So there you go. There's your, there's your image for the shirt, dude. <laughs> All right. Yeah.